kind of cool, everybody. Nice and close. That's yay. Good for you. All right, CIA, you are dismissed. Everyone else can be seated. Glad you are here tonight. How many of you remember the beginning of the year? Pastor started off in a series called The Seven Ups. I'm not going to recite all of them because honestly I don't remember all of them, but there were some good ones. Lift up, rise up, speak up. A few of them. Anyway, they were great. And when he... <laughs> best sermons I ever heard. I just don't remember them all right now. <laughs> rise up. There were some good ones in there. But uh, when he started that series, I said to him, well, seven ups is a catchy title, but I think there ought to be eight ups because I think there ought to be a cheer up in there. And so it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and good to me tonight to go ahead and talk about cheer up. Pastor mentioned uh, that we had just spent quite a bit of time with uh, our granddaughter, our four-year-old granddaughter. And uh, it's pretty amazing to me the difference between little girls and little boys. I uh, raised, you know, we raised two little boys and... Uh, Livy is amazing. She's super, super sweet. But there is definitely a moody side to little girls. It's like one minute she's happy and the next minute a little not so happy, sad, crying over. And you're like, oh, what happened? I don't know. And Okay. So anyway, one day she was in one of those little deals. She was just happy playing. And, and uh, then she had a moment. And so Lindy said, well, let's, let's let John deal with it. He, she said... Uh, we call him the baby whisperer. And I don't know what it is, but he, he picks her up in his arms and he cuddles her and he whispers and she just gets all calm. So finally I said to him, what are, what are you saying to her to get her to calm down so quick? And he said, I tell her she quits crying, she gets him and ends. I'm like, well now, <laughs> I could have done that. So <laughs> but it was funny to me, the different things that calm you down. And to every person, God knows exactly what to say to you to bring cheer into your life. Amen. No matter what kind of situation we are facing, I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't say, tear up and cry. He said, cheer up because I am the way, I am the truth, I am the answer, I am your savior, I am your healer, I am your deliverer. Amen. So tonight, we're going to look at four different areas in the Bible where Jesus said, cheer up. And they're all good ones. Amen. So let me see here. Let us begin in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. And before we go into these, I want to give you just some definitions of the word cheer. One of them is to bring encouragement. To give courage to. To put in good spirits. That's kind of what happened with Livy when John said, Quit crying and you're going to get M&Ms. Immediately, she was in a good mood. And in good spirits because candy was on the way. To provide happiness or joy. And that's what Jesus did. He went about spreading encouragement. Giving people courage, putting joy on the inside of their lives. And we'll see this in this first incident we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 9. And then we're going to see here that he said, be of good cheer in the face of sin and sickness. Matthew 9 verse 1. So he got into the boat, crossed over and came to his own city. 
Then, behold, they brought to him a paralytic. Did I say that? Paralytic. 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 That didn't sound right. Paralytic. A paralyzed man. How's that? <laughs> Lying on a bed. <laughs> when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, be... What did he say? Let's all read this together. Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. As I was looking at this yesterday, it just struck me that it was so interesting to me. The man needed healing. Obviously, he needed healing. He was paralyzed. He had to have people bring him to Jesus on a stretcher. But the first thing that Jesus said to him was, Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Perhaps as we read on, you'll see this. Perhaps the religious leaders of the day had told him, You're paralyzed. Because of some hidden sin. This is your fault. You did something wrong. And that's why you're paralyzed. You know religious spirits are mean and critical and judgmental. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus hated the religion of his day. Because it put people down instead of lifting people up. So I don't know what kind of thoughts that this man had going on in his mind. But obviously Jesus knew that there was some sort of thing going on in his his head that he needed to know your sins are forgiven. Because that's what he said to him. First of all, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. So let's keep on reading here in verse 3 of this same passage. And at once, some of the scribes, the religious leaders of the day, said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said, Why do you think this evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise and walk. The scribes didn't care anything about this man. They didn't care whether he got healed. They didn't care if he was released from guilt and condemnation. They were just thinking in their mind, who does Jesus think that he is? He can't go around telling people they're forgiven. He can't go around and tell people that they are healed because they had probably told this man lies from the time he was small. I don't know how long he was paralyzed. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I'm sure that he had had to deal with questions and had to deal with thoughts of this happened to you because of something that you did. Do you remember in another place that the, they brought the blind man to Jesus and the religious people, they were trying to catch Jesus in a trap. And they said, oh, is this man blind because he sinned or his parents sinned? That was what religion was saying. Oh, bad things happen because you did something bad. Pastor made that statement today and I I believe he's going to do a whole message on it. He should. Why do bad things happen to good people? It's not because, always because people have done something bad. It's because we live in a fallen world and there's sin all around and there's evil around us. And that's why this man 
was paralyzed. And I loved that Jesus settled the sin issue up front. He was basically telling him, you don't have to feel guilty about anything in your past. You don't have to buy into that condemnation trap. Has anybody ever had to deal with condemnation? Well, if you hadn't have done this, or you hadn't have said that, then that wouldn't have happened. Or if you hadn't have gone over there, or gone over there, or if you had re- listened to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and not gone that way home, you wouldn't have gotten in that accident. And all this condemnation that the enemy tries to put up on us because of our shortcomings, because of our failures. Is anybody in here human? I hope so. I hope we're all human. And as humans, we are going to miss it. It's not our goal. It's not our aim. We desire to please the Lord. We desire to walk in the Spirit. But it's not going to happen 100% of the time. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. But I believe one of the reasons that Jesus addressed this right up front and said, Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. So it would be in there for us to know that whenever we do miss it, whenever we have uh, displeased the Lord or stepped over into disobedience, that we have an advocate. Thank God. Does anybody know what 1 John 1, 9 says? That ought to be highlighted in your Bible because we do have to use it. If we confess our sins, what happens? He's faithful. He's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants us to know that up front. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Be of good cheer. The blood of Jesus is enough. The blood of Jesus is powerful enough to wash away any sin, any wrongdoing. Of course, you know, some people will say, well, don't give folks license to sin. I heard a minister say it years ago. You don't have to give license people a license to sin. They're going to sin without it. And that happens. But when our hearts are right before God, it's not like we are purposing to go out and to miss it. But thank God, when we do, we don't have to be under condemnation. We don't have to be under guilt of, oh, I opened the door. So now these horrible things are going to happen to me. If you have opened the door, close it. As quick as you opened it by confessing it and getting right back in that cleansing agent of the blood. Hallelujah. That washes us whiter than snow. Amen. Jesus didn't want this man and he doesn't want us to be haunted and tormented by our past. Everybody say it's under the blood. Thank God for the power in the blood of the Lamb. Now let's go back over here to Matthew chapter 9. I guess we never left it. Jesus made, Jesus made it crystal clear that day. I'm the one who forgives sins. And I am the one who heals. Let's continue reading in verse 6. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said... Through the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose 
and departed into his house. Now, when the multitude saw it, what did they do? They marveled and they glorified God who had given such power to men. It's a wonderful thing when people see the compassion of Jesus in action. It's a wonderful thing to see people receive the forgiveness that Jesus has provided. Isn't it? Just, there's nothing like leading somebody to the Lord. I get so blessed when people come in our services and they come up and they receive Jesus. All of you guys on our prayer team, isn't that wonderful? It's just such joy comes up on their face. I submit to you tonight, if you need a Savior, if you need to be forgiven of some sin in your life, if you need a healer, he's in the house today. Be of good cheer. Amen. Now we're going to go on to our second one. Be of good cheer in the face of fear. Anybody in here ever been tempted to be afraid? Well, we got two honest people. <laughs> Anybody in here ever tempted to be afraid? Has fear ever knocked on your door? Well, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one, but if you want to get some in-depth teaching on fear, I believe it was um, March 24th on Sunday night, did a a message on because he lives, we don't have to be afraid. So it'd be good to go listen to that on the podcast. But we do want to look at one account of where Jesus made this statement. Over in Matthew chapter 14, you may remember, this was right after Jesus had fed the 5,000. I mean, it had been a sigh and a wonder to feed the 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. That had been a glorious evangelistic meeting. I'm sure many people were healed and delivered and set free. It'd been a long day. And after all of that had happened, Jesus went down to the Sea of Galilee. He put his disciples in the boat. And he said, you guys go on over to the other side. I'm going to go up into the mountain and rest and pray. And I'll catch you all later. Well, while the disciples were out on the sea, crossing over to the other side, a huge storm arose. They were in trouble. You know, I think it was a thought here is that I believe the devil, he was angry. He didn't like the fact that people were getting set free. He didn't like the fact that the son of the living God was walking around on the earth, proclaiming liberty, setting the captives free, open the prison doors, letting the, watching the sick be healed, performing miracles in the name of the Lord our God. The devil doesn't like it. He doesn't like to see anybody get set free. He didn't want to see anybody get healed. He certainly didn't want to see miracles being performed so here after all this great victory after this wonderful mountaintop experience here comes the counterattack. and i feel like that you know i, I just sense that this is what happened here with that the devil said okay i'm going to take 
advantage of this opportunity because Jesus isn't here with his disciples. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to throw a hard punch. As a matter of fact, you know what his intent was? He was thinking, I'm sure I'm just going to wipe out Jesus entire evangelistic association in one swoop of the wind. I'm going to send a storm upon the sea, turn over their boat. Wow, Jesus going to lose his whole ministry team in one night. I'm sure that's what he wanted to do. But did you know that nothing ever takes Jesus by surprise? There are no oops in heaven. Jesus never goes, oops, I didn't see that coming. No, the Bible tells us he was up in the mountaintop. And what was he doing? He wasn't up there playing tiddlywings. He was up there praying. He was up there in the spirit talking to his heavenly father, being refreshed. And when you're in that place called spirit, and when you're in that place where you're supposed to be, the Lord will show you things. And the spirit of God showed him what was going on with his disciples. He knew they were in trouble. The Bible says, you and I, We are called to be watchmen on the wall. Every single one of us, we have a sphere of influence. Every one of us have a territory. We have a domain where we are the ones who have the main authority in that realm. If you are married, you and your spouse, your kids, your family, that is your domain. Even it extend, it will extend out to your siblings, to your parents. That's your domain. You have authority there. And when we take our place that he has given us, it talks about it over in Isaiah, that we are called to be watchmen on the wall. What does a watchman do? A watchman watches... Over the territory. A watchman is somebody, if we hired a watchman to to be here 24-7 and they were to drive around and keep this building safe, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to watch for any evil intruders. They're supposed to watch for any suspicious activity. We wouldn't be happy if, you know, that we drove by here and they were sitting out in the front and their car sound asleep and somebody was just graffitiing all over the building. Whoops, I was asleep on the job. No, that's not what a watchman's called to do. They're to watch. So we have this position and this place that he has been granted to us. Just like Jesus was up there in the presence of the Lord. And because he was where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be doing, he knew immediately in his heart that those that were connected to him were in trouble. And God will give you that same kind of insight. You can know it. In your spirit, your loved ones are in trouble and you can pray and you can stop accidents. You can stop the attacks of the enemy. You can use your authority over not just your life, but your loved ones. Amen. 
So I believe that that was what Jesus, what happened here. Let's look down here in uh, Matthew 14. We'll begin at verse 24. So that was the background of what was going on. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Don't you find it interesting? They were afraid of the storm, all right. Their boat was being tossed all over the place. But I think that they were more afraid of Jesus. Ah, it's a ghost. Jesus is on the mountaintop. Humans can't walk on the water. Are we dead? Not only are we about to die, maybe we're already dead and we're seeing ghosts. More afraid of Jesus than the storm. But what happened? This was Jesus' response. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, what did, what did he say? Jesus. What did he say? Jesus. What are we talking about tonight? Jesus. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid he's telling us in the face of an opportunity to be afraid we don't have to be afraid be of good cheer i am here i am with you one of the definitions that we gave of cheer was this to give courage when jesus shows up on the scene When Jesus' presence is manifest in your life, when you're in a situation where you're you're feeling weak, you're feeling like you're just about to crumble, just about to fall, maybe about to go under, like we'll see here, like Peter about to sink. What happens when he says, be of good cheer? He breathes courage into our hearts, into our spirit. And that courage will make you rise up on the inside and walk on that fear. Rise up and stand strong in who he has called you to be. Amen. Read on down here in verse 28. That's account. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. And when Peter had gone down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. How many of you have ever seen wind? I mean, it's super windy today, but we don't see the wind. We see the results of the wind. Peter wasn't really seeing the wind, but he was seeing the waves. He was seeing the effects of that wind. And that's what the enemy tries to do in our life. He tries to show you all the effects and the sound effects and the soundtrack of this could happen and that's going to happen. It's just wind. Don't be afraid of it. Amen. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when he got into the boat, 
The wind ceased. And then the next one. Well, anyway, it was a good one. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him and saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. There's so much in this. But one of the things I love in this, Jesus, he was so compassionate to Peter. Peter stepped out of the boat on one word, come. And he got out of that boat and he walked on his fears to Jesus. And when he took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink, did Jesus say, well, I'm just going to let you go down two or three times. I'm going to let you stay under the water until you're almost dead. And then I'll save you at the last minute. No, he reached out immediately and lifted him up. And that's what he does in our lives. If we will step out by faith on the promises of God, and sometimes it feels like you're getting out of the boat and you're stepping out into the aching void of nothingness. But you know what? The word of God is not nothing. The word of God is something. The word of God is everything that we will ever need. And if we will step out and stand upon the promises of God, we will not fail. We will never sink. We will never drown. We will never be disappointed. And when the howling winds of fear and doubt assail by the living word of God, we shall prevail standing on the promises of God. (laughs) That's what Peter was standing on. He stepped out and he stood upon the word that Jesus said, Come. He had one word. We have 66 books full of the word of the living God. And if, Je- if Peter could get out of the boat on one word, come, you and I can step out and we can follow after him. We can step into his plan and his purpose for our life. Don't let fear hold you back. How many people have said, oh, I wish I could do this or, or, oh, I wish I had gone to school. I wish I had moved there or changed careers or did whatever. But fear held me back. Don't be bound by fear. Jesus is saying tonight, be of good cheer. Be not afraid. It is I. If Jesus has spoken some things to you, if he's put some dream and some vision on the inside of you, don't let the howling winds of fear and doubt make you stay in the boat. Step out and obey God. Step out and walk on your fear. They're not your fears. It's from the pit of hell. And Jesus is saying, don't tear up. Don't be afraid. Cheer up. It is I. I believe the Spirit of God speaking to some people right now. And he's saying that thing that you've been wondering about on the inside. That thing you've been tossing around even in the nighttime. That it's been just keeps coming up in your spirit. And you keep saying, well, is that me? Or is that God? And then this fear will just come over you. But I can never do that. The Lord is saying to you tonight. It is I. Be not 
afraid. You can do all things through Christ. What strengtheneth you. You don't have to be afraid to start that business. You don't have to be afraid to do what's in your heart. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by His Spirit. Says the Lord of hosts. Who He calls. He equips. Hallelujah. Don't let fear hold you back. Fear is the opposite of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't walk by what we hear. The wind might be howling. The lies of the devil may be coming. But you know that it's the devil when it's all coming here. When it's coming from the outside. And you hear these voices here. And you hear the wind here. God's not there. God's in here. He's in here. What's on the inside? Is there peace on the inside? Is there that joy on the inside? Follow after that. Resist the devil. Resist fear based on the word of God. Be of good cheer. It is I, says the Lord. Be of good cheer. It is I that's put that on the inside of you. It is I that will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. So what are we going to do with fear? We're going to resist it. We're going to cast it aside. We are not going to be bound by fear. Amen. We're not going under. We're not going to fail. Have no fear. Be of good courage. I am with you. How many times did Jesus say that? Did the word of God say that? To Joshua. When he was given the mandate. To pick up the mantle of Moses. And to take the children of Israel. Over into the promised land. Over and over. The word of God says. Be of good courage. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Then that is what Jesus said to Peter. That same phrase. Be of good courage. Don't be afraid. It is I. I am with you. Can anybody in here derive encouragement from the verse that says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In the Amplified, I will not leave you without aid or support. Woo! Hallelujah! We're not alone in this, folks. You might feel like you're all alone. Maybe you're single or or maybe whatever. And sometimes in the natural, you feel alone. But you are not alone. Jesus is saying, it is I. And I am with you. And I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. And I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. Be not afraid. Amen. Amen. Now the third one. Anybody ever been persecuted? Well, the Bible tells us that in the face of persecution, we can be of good cheer. If you want to read the background of this in Acts chapter 21 and 
chapter 22 is the account, it gives detail of, of Paul preaching in Jerusalem. Mighty things were happening. People were receiving the truth of the gospel. And once again, who got stirred up? The religious leaders. The scribes and the Pharisees got all stirred up. And they had him arrested. Imagine that. Paul smack dab in the center of God's will. Paul's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's preaching the gospel. He's laying hands on the sick. He's doing miracles and signs and wonders in the name of the Lord our God. And what happens? He gets arrested. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, dear, what's going on? What's up with that? I'm the servant of the Most High God. I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. And I'm get arrested. I got put into jail. Did you know that sometimes persecution comes because you're doing the right thing? That's usually when it comes. Persecution comes when you're doing the right thing. Not the wrong thing. You know, it'd be great if we didn't have any tests and trials and persecution. But if that ain't going to happen. You know we preach a positive gospel here. But it reminds me of this one man, this minister. He had this guy come up to him. He said, oh, brother, pray for me that I won't have any more trouble with the devil. And the minister looked him right in the eye and said, do you want me to pray that you'll die? And he's like, well, no, 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 I don't want to die. And he said, well, that's the only way that you're not going to have any more trouble with the devil. The devil is defeated, but he is persistent. And he does raise up his ugly head. He is an adversary. The Bible calls him that in First Peter it says we have, he's like a roaring lion. And then he roams about seeking whom he may devour. But look at it like this. Jesus whipped him. Jesus pulled his teeth out. So what's he going to do? Gum you to death? A lion without any teeth is really no threat. So don't worry about it. About it. Don't be in fear about it. You have more, you have been given the victory. In Jesus' name, we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. So no matter what the enemy throws at us, we've already been given the way of escape. Hallelujah. We have already been given the victory. So here, Paul. Done the right thing, but ends up in prison. Let's pick this up here in Acts chapter 23, verse 11. So, you know, if you ever feel like, what? Why'd this happen to me? I'm walking in love. I'm confessing the word. I've been done. You know, I should be getting a gold star. And instead, it's like all hell's breaking loose. Well, get some encouragement here from what happened. To the apostles. (laughs) Even what happened to Jesus. I mean constantly the enemy was harassing him. But the devil never won and he'll never win in your life. If you'll stand your ground and stand on the word of God. This verse just spoke to me. I love this. But the following night. Here he is in jail. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, what did he say to Paul? 
I can't hear you. What did he say? The Lord stood by him and said, Paul, be of good cheer. For you have testified for me in Jerusalem. And so you must also bear witness at Rome. So I was looking at this verse, that first line. The Lord stood by him and said. If you have a red letter edition, those words, be of good cheer, Paul, are in red. I love the fact that here Paul was in the midst of this persecution. And the, the Lord could have sent Gabriel. He could have sent an angel. He could have sent 10,000 angels. But Jesus himself came and stood by Paul. Paul was probably in stocks and bonds. And all of a sudden he looks up and there is standing the Lord right beside him. Hallelujah. I don't know what kind of position Paul may have been in. He may have been flat on his back. But don't you know, when he looked up and saw the Lord standing by him, he stood up on the inside. He got encouraged immediately on the inside. He had courage and encouragement. And Jesus said to him, Paul, be of good cheer. Hallelujah. Isn't it awesome to know that Jesus is in us. Jesus is on us. Jesus is with us. But oh, what encouragement that brought to me. That if you're in the midst of a dark, difficult time, he'll show up and he will not only be in you, on you and with you. He'll stand right there and he'll wrap his loving arms of strength around you and he'll surround you with aid and assistance and he'll just stand there and you know when he's standing there whoo with his arms outstretched it's symbolic i believe that he's standing there and as he's standing there the weapons of the enemy may be coming at you the arrows may be being shot at you but the lord himself will stand there and garrison about you hallelujah and bring encouragement and bring protection and sustain you in a dark and a difficult time. Woo! The Lord stood by him. Woo! Hallelujah! (laughs) I don't know if that does for you what it's done for me, but I'm blessed. If nobody else is blessed, I'm blessed. Woo! The Lord himself, the Lord himself showed up on the scene, showed up in that prison, stood by Paul. And he brought him an encouraging word. Be of good cheer. You're in a temporary persecution, Paul, but be of good cheer. This persecution is not under death. 
He went on from there and he said, you've done what I told you to do. You preached in Jerusalem, but be of good cheer. My will and my plan for your life is going to stand. I'm standing here by you, letting you know that my purpose in you is going to stand. Not only did you do what you were supposed to do in Jerusalem, but your destiny is going to be fulfilled. You're going to end up in Rome and you're going to testify of me there. Hallelujah. Sometimes when you're being persecuted, the lies come and they say, this is it. You're over. You're done. You're finished. Send your saddle home. You are toast. But Jesus was saying to Paul, you're not going to die in this persecution. You're not going to die in this prison. Hallelujah. My will for you is going to be fulfilled. And it's going to stand in your life. Another definition of cheer that we mentioned. To bring encouragement. And that's what Jesus did to Paul. And I believe that's what he's doing to some of you right now. The Lord himself is standing right by you. And he's surrounding you with his strength. And with the ministry of encouragement and he's breathing into you. He's holding you up. Have you ever in the natural maybe had some sort of thing going on in your body and you just felt faint. And all of a sudden maybe a nurse or a doctor or somebody had to come and they had to literally hold you up. That's what Jesus does when he stands by you. Even though it may feel like you're getting weak and you're about to, your knees are buckling under you. The Lord himself will come and stand and put his arms around you and hold you up and lift you up and put your feet on solid ground. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. We got one last one here. We won't go real late tonight. Oh, it's early. We can keep preaching. Well, I've done pretty good for being tired, don't you think? The Lord is standing by me. And some of you are saying, I wish he'd sit down because you're going a little long. No, no, no. No, hallelujah. I'm feeling strength. Hallelujah. Infused with power from on high. Hallelujah. Now the Lord, in another account, when people were facing tribulation. He said, be of good cheer. Persecution sort of close to tribulation, but says it a little bit different. Over in John chapter 16, verse 33. We want to look at this one in the Amplified. Hallelujah. Is anybody else glad they came tonight? I am too. I'm glad you came. I'm glad I came. Hallelujah. John 16, 33 in the Amplified. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation, trials, distress, frustrations, but be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, un. Daunted. Then what does it say? For I have overcome the world. Read the rest of that with me. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it 
for you. I think another good place just to shout. Woo! Hallelujah. Just look at all the wonderful things that he said here that he promised to do for us. Pastor preached an awesome message today. And one of his points was we have to be prepared. Prepared for what he has prepared for us. If you're going to take a test in the natural, you better study. You better be prepared for that test or you won't pass it. And that's what Jesus is saying here. The test is coming. They're going to have tests and trials by virtue of living in this world. But he didn't stop there. You know, a lot of people, Christians, they quote this verse and they say, well, you know, Jesus said. In the world, we're going to have tribulations. And sister, believe me, I'm tribulating. And they forget the rest of it. Jesus was giving us a heads up. He's saying, I, by the way, I want you to know that the devil hates you. And I want you to know that the world is not a user-friendly place for Christians. So you're going to have some tribulations. You're going to have some persecution. You're going to have some trials. So let's just all go jump off of a bridge and go to heaven tonight. No, that's not what he said. He said he didn't stop there. What did he say? But what? In the world, you're going to have them. But what? But... Be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Now listen to this other definition of, of cheer. We mentioned it in the beginning. One is to put in good spirits. To provide happiness or joy. I heard one minister say this. Rejoicing is a demonstration of faith in God. Being of good cheer is showing that we believe the word is true. If you don't rejoice, the devil will think he is winning. And guess what? He's not winning. So in the face of difficulty, in the face of being tempted to be frustrated, anybody ever been tempted to be frustrated? What are we supposed to do? Be of good cheer. Put on your happy face. Be in good spirits. Why? Because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you. Hallelujah. I have conquered it for you. Do we have any more than conquerors in the house tonight? Do we have any people that are ready to be of good cheer in the face of sin, in the face of sickness, in the face of fear, in the face of persecution, in the face of tribulation? What are we going to do? We're going to rejoice. We're going to be of good cheer because Jesus has deprived it of the power to harm you. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your word. 
we thank you, Lord, that we do not have to tear up when difficulty comes our way. We do not have to cower down under fear and under pressure and under distress and be frustrated and be upset because we know, Lord. Woo! We know, Lord, <laughs> you've overcome those things for us.